राधे वृंदवन आदि श्री करुणमृतवाहिनीत भक्तियों so pranam to all of you good evening thank you so much damodar pro family friends for invitation and for investing your valuable time to be here and give me your most important attention which is arguably the most important thing we have to give to another our attention so that's very powerful offering so hopefully i may reciprocate accordingly so as <clears throat> rad damodar prabhu mentioned we the idea today is to talk a little bit how to deepen our sangha our association in in the context of a large community but also he had just recently invited to share a few thoughts about celebrate's arrival to the west celebrate Today, actually, I gave a whole lecture today on the topic. There are a few thoughts uh, that came yesterday as well, in connection to such a. Of course, we were we are not only celebrating that particular celebrating all that was after today, but that day is kind of a symbol of all that was before and after. That's important to have the bigger picture in mind and be able to. To honor the whole sequence. So, what brought Prabhupada to that day, so to say, what was behind that, which was his his prayer, his surrender to his Guru Maharaj, his wish to to please his overwhelming compassion, his uh, emptying of himself on the Jaladuta and becoming fulfilled by Krishna's mercy, such an empowerment, and to basically land. 
into another planet, basically. You know? mm. <laughs> and sometimes we celebrate when different forms of the Lord land on planet Earth. So to say, we celebrate Bhaman, Vadasi, Janmashtami, Bhagavan is coming on Earth. And somehow when Prabhupada came to the West, it's somehow although it's the same planet Earth, in its own way, it's another planet. You know? At that time, especially, there was no globalization and internet. So India was one thing, New York was another. <laughs> so the willingness proper to fearlessness, no? the honoring of his own name, Abhai. Abhai means fearless. And in described one of the main attributes of the sannyasis, Abhayatwa, which basically means fearlessness, which basically implies the, the willingness to dive into the unknown, so to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he himself will pray so beautifully in his Markini Bhagavad Dharma, his prayer at the lot of feet of Krishna, like, I don't know where you, why you want me here, I don't know where I'm going. In one sense, there was this sense of uncertainty. I don't know what will happen, but if there is something I know, is that your costless mercy, O Bhagavanis, can make the impossible possible. And therefore, as he famously said, Make me dance, oh Lord, oh, make me dance. I'm willing to be puppeted, so to say, to be a puppet of your sweet will. And of course, the rest is history, and we are the byproduct of that. <laughs> no, but very, very the willingness to which Prabhupada was able to, yeah, to, to land into another planet, to adjust, to adapt, to be sensitive enough that what he was finding along the way and the genius of his patience, his extreme compassion in in adjusting basically and in being, in being a servant of everyone basically that that was such a, for me such a powerful important connection and for me this this today this is just a brief introduction connected to the point that we want to talk today which is how to deepen our sang our relationships our communication our uh, how to say our openness to one another in connection to Prabhupada's coming here with such openness i mean he opened himself in such a way he was so open to adjust to adapt to find a new planet again to explore unknown lands <laughs> with full compassion uh, with full fearlessness that's not that's not but if, if we are all open to acknowledge garland is too late sorry <laughs> i was yeah. <laughs> All the clandestine arrangements in the garden. So we're just going to Yeah, yeah, You keep the standard. I've been in so many temples. The class starts and the garland is coming. <laughs> yeah. But I saw the garland was already made when we were in. It was there, so it's okay. You were supposed to take it and prove yourself. <laughs> <laughs> So anyhow, the idea is today to share a few words and how to deepen our Sangha, our association uh, in the context of a large community, how to keep 
uh, how to keep it personal, I will say. You know? And I don't want to sound like I'm starting indirectly to, to promote my last book, Radical Person. But anyhow, I cannot avoid relating these things with what I've been thinking and writing about, the importance of how much we are personal line. We are personalists. We are not impersonalists. So how we can keep everything as personal as we can? Because sometimes, as I write in my book, we have such a personalistic doctrine and such an ideal so refined. Prabhupada will speak about the supreme personality of Godhead. But sometimes, sometimes we may misrepresent our hyper-personalized ideal by relating to each other in pretty depersonalized forms. So that's not very in line with our doctrine, personalistic doctrine. So it's important to, to keep it personal on all levels. Not only we worship a personal God, because the way I worship God has to be reflected in the way we relate to each other. That's basically what the, what the scriptures say, no? we, as we were saying the other day. If you love God, <clears throat> everything you have to love everything that is related to him. And Prabhupada would say, if you love me, love my dog. No? So if you love God, you have to love everything related to him. And it happens that everything is related to God. <laughs> so you have to have, if you have a nice relationship with him, that has to be reflected in having a nice relationship with everyone else. So we have no escape, fortunately. And that's how the arrangements of reality happen. So I, I like the topic because also one of the main topics of my book is basically that, you know, how to keep or how to improve our participation in Krishna consciousness, how to, how to embrace our larger Vaishnava community from a, again, personal way, deep, committed way with each other. Uh, how to, I was thinking today when you mentioned that title for the lecture, Radhamadar, on one side we have <clears throat> deep intimate Sangha, on the other side we have large community. So it's kind of saying Madhurya and Aishwarya. No? Madhurya in terms of intimacy, because Madhurya comes from an intimacy, and Aishwarya a little bit more like the, the larger part. And we have to know how to navigate the two. For example, because in ultimate reality in Vrindavan, the spiritual world, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur explains in Raghavarma Chandrika, interestingly, <coughs> Vrindavan is the land of full Madhurya, full intimacy, but also full Aishwarya. There's more Aishwarya in Vrindavan than in Vaikuntha. But there's so much Madhurya that nobody notices the Aishwarya. <laughs> but if you pay attention in Vrindavan, every tree is a Kalpa Vriksha. Desire tree. Every cow is Kamadeno. The land is Chintamani. And that's pretty Aishwarik. No? <laughs> but there's on top of that so much intimacy that the Aishwari is there having the function, but Madhurya, the intimacy is prevailing. So the point is okay, we have a large community, Aishwari, if you want to put it like that, but how to make Madhurya or intimacy prevail in the context of a larger community? We are not against having larger communities, but we have to know how to navigate largeness. So, so we keep, keep it personal, we keep intimate, because there's every chance when we have bigger groups anywhere that things tend to become a little bit more like impersonal or abstract or generic, or we may end up neglecting without intention, but neglecting one-to-one -one connection. So, so that's... That's, again, crucial in our tradition. We are personalists, so we want to keep it personal 
till the very end at every stage. <clears throat> so to begin with, an idea that comes to mind is the idea, of course, of community. We are part of a larger community, whether it's ISKCON community, whether it's the larger Vaishnav community. But the word community is so important. Community implies common unity. Now, if there's no common unity, the very word community lost its sense. So ideally, we are all united with some common ideal in between. And that makes us, how to say, uh, we need each other. The idea of community is we need each other to thrive into this. But Krishna consciousness has its individual aspect. I, I cannot do, I cannot chant your japa. You have to chant your japa. I cannot do it for you. Sorry. No. <laughs> Sorry. That's not the arrangement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But there are so many things. I mean, in one sense, we have to do our part individually, but in another sense, we need each other also. So it's individual <laughs> and it's collective simultaneously. And the two parts have to be properly attended. The very word Sankirtan, which is the name of our process, if you will, Sankirtan, given by Mahaprabhu, the very word Sankirtan is a collective participation. Sankirtan implies you cannot do this play of words. We cannot do some kirtan by ourselves. By ourselves, we can do some kirtan. <laughs> we can do some kirtan. But some kirtan, we need each other. So the very definition of some kirtan implies we need each other. So it's a very humbling idea. Now, don't think too much in terms of individualism. I will do it all myself. I don't need any of you. So if we need each other, also we need to think how to relate to each other. If I need you, if you need me, if we all need each other, how we how do we develop our relationships? That's that's a service and, and to Krishna in itself. That's a very important point. I remember talking with Udnam Rasa Prabhu some years ago about that, no? that the topic came like, to develop our relationships is one of the most important services to Guru and Gauranga. Sometimes we don't think about relations as a service. Sometimes we think services, wash the pots, collect money, distribute books, whatever. Do, do some stuff. <laughs> but we, sometimes we don't think about relationships as seva. <laughs> but it's so crucial. So I think to begin with, that's an important point, that we reconceive how we think of relationships, not just like a casual social dynamic on gathering, but as a service. I can offer not only to the person I'm relating to, a service I can offer to Guru Vaishnavs. <clears throat> and of course, in, in, in relationships, and we could say also in larger groups, we face a few challenges. Some that come to mind nowadays, we live in very individualistic times in the world. There's lots of individualism, lots of, I will say, an excessive sense of autonomy and freedom where sometimes we end up being isolated each other from each other and that makes community collaboration a little bit more more difficult we tend to go to our own bubble what to speak with social media dynamics sometimes that sometimes i mean that can create properly used a nice connection but also that can create uh, undesirable distances let's say 
And also in communal life, something that can happen is, as I mentioned in my book, is impersonalism. And when I say impersonalism, I don't mean oh, everything is Brahman, let's merge there or something like that. No, no, not officially, theologically stated in that way, but just not promoting enough each one's development of their own individuality, basically, and trying to create some form of merging into the crowd. No, like everyone think the same way, feel the same way. This is the way to do it. Here's the one size fits all formula, and that's it. No? And that's in itself, that's a form of impersonalism. The form of saying, I don't care for who you are as an unique individual. <laughs> so can I share one sec one line from my book? Sure. Because I, I have one quote from actually I'm quoting here. You may, I don't know if you heard this book from Purna Chandra, Unspoken Obstacles to the Path, on the path to Bhakti. Okay, add that to your recommended list. That's very interesting. Purna Chandra, some you have heard about him. So he wrote this book, like I read it like, I don't know, 15 years ago. It's very interesting. Unspoken Obstacles in the Path to Bhakti. Tempting, the title itself, right? <laughs> so, there is one a few lines here in connection to what to what he wrote in that book. I'm kind of adapting a little bit a few lines. So I'm put I put like this. What do I mean by impersonalism? That's my point here. While while some people have into an ontological void, entering into Nirvana or Brahman, others conceal themselves by, by merging into an institution and becoming just another blank face in the crowd while considering this to be spiritual participation. Others may be afraid of the social implications of their own opinions, thus numbing themselves into varieties of emotional atrophy. At this point, we may rightly ask what is left of a human being. So these things can happen. And with this, I'm not pointing to any single person. I'm pointing to impotential. It can happen to any of us. I mean, potentially it may be actually already happening. <laughs> so, so group participation sometimes create those dynamics. Okay, to fit in, as we talked the other day, the difference between belonging deeply and fitting in. That's not the same. And hopefully we want to belong deeply to Krishna consciousness. We not just want to merely fit in, in which we end up compromising our identity, integrity, <laughs> to be part of the of the tribe, so to say, to feel mm -hmm. me part of something. Uh, and, and, and we should not be promoting that to those who come to us. Like, okay, you have to fit in. As long as you do it like this, if you don't into the box, we love you. Mm -hmm. Directly that can happen. I mean, it happens all around the world in society. Basically, you have the legal boxes how to dress, how to think, how to calm your hair. You are legal. You fit into the box. If not, outcased. Sorry. <laughs> so it's important that in the community we, we extend this invitation to the actual spirit of Mahaprabhu, which is undiscriminate, basically. So, so when we are talking about community, of course, one word in Sanskrit for community is Sangha. Sangha with age means community, and Sangha without age means what we call Sadhu Sangha or association. So it's interesting that the two words are 
close to one another, which is one letter of difference. So community, group, and intimate association. Sangha means satsanga or sadhu sangha. As we were talking, I think yesterday, I like to define it. Satsanga, you have heard the expression satsanga. So sat means something that is true. Mm -hmm. And sangha, as Krishna uses it in the Bhagavad Gita, also sangha means attachment. Mm -hmm. So sadhu sangha, we can say association with devotees, or satsanga also can mean attachment to truth, mm -hmm. which is the actual idea of association with devotees. <laughs> That also has to do with being honest. The Bhagavatam begins saying, Dharma praito kaitavo traparamonir matsaranam satam. So a devotee is called satam, which means someone who is truthful or honest. That's an interesting definition. I love how Krishna says in the Gita, if you go to the Gita, one of the few verses in which Krishna uses the word sadhu, which generally we translate as the saintly person, one of the arguably the most famous verse where Krishna resorts to this term sadhu is the verse 30th, 30th birth of the ninth chapter of the Gita. Apichet sudra acharo vajante mamanahanivag sadhur hiva samantavya samyakya So he, there Krishna gives a very interesting definition of what's sadhu. He's saying, if someone misbehaves terribly, <laughs> begins like that, apichet suduracharo, he's not speaking about anacharya, but about the suduracharya, which means very bad behavior, but still is determined in surrendering to me. That person is his say. Because he's like honestly determined in his goal. So Krishna, he's, he's, he's highlighting the honesty of that person. He's not saying a sadhu is someone who is always perfect and does everything without any single mistake. He's saying he may even still behave quite badly, but he's very honest about when he falls down, let's say. <laughs> he's very honest about his difficulty, his struggles, and he honestly continues trying to worship me. Sadhu In my opinion, that person is sadhu. You choose if you agree or not with Krishna's opinion. Well, I, say, Krishna, I have another opinion, Krishna. Krishna's opinion is Krishna's opinion. <laughs> so my point is, in this famous verse, Krishna is defining a sadhu mostly in terms of honesty. Not so much in terms of being perfect. But you can be a mess on some level, but at least be honest with your mess. And if you are honest with your mess, they say, I don't know here, but in the US, God bless this mess. <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah. So honesty, that I am going to the point of honesty because to be honest means again to be truthful, truth telling. Uh, and that's a form of affection, that's a form of intimacy that we need to. To, to remind ourselves about in our community, in our Sangha. We get together to be honest with one another. We are not getting together to, to make a facade. It's not like Sunday feast 